it doesn't take away from the fact that I know that what I did is not worthless and that I'm on the right path. It won't make me believe that it's not important, but it's just sad. <laughs> it's sad that we have come to feel this way, that we've come to feel like working on your personal life and giving yourself time to heal is, I don't know, selfish or lazy. I'm Ann Morris. This is A Familiar Place, a podcast dedicated to destigmatizing mental health, all in the hopes of making our listeners feel less alone. And that soundbite was a very sick me talking to Manuela Guerra, a theater and journalism senior here at UT Austin. Manuela grew up in Cali, a city in southwestern Colombia. In Cali, Manuela had a wealth of a support system. Cali held most members of her family, friends that went back to before she could remember, cultural influences that defined her childhood. At the age of 12, Manuela moved with her mom to Houston, Texas to live with her stepdad. It wasn't until after this move that she began experiencing mental health problems, experiencing them while being a five-hour flight away from most of her family, friends, away from her old life. I thought it would get easier. I thought, like, over time, like, I'm used to it, but, it, like, this is, in December, it's going to be 10 years since I moved to the U.S., and literally every time I leave Columbia, I sob at the airport. Like, it's never gotten easier. But I just feel like I try to focus on the fact that I have people. At least I have people who are there for me that I know I can pick up the phone and, like, vent to or talk to. She started going to therapy by the time she was in high school. And by the time she became an adult, she quickly realized one of the first differences that stuck out between services in the U.S. and those in Colombia. The price tag. So as of right now, Manuela has managed to get a psychiatrist, a therapist, and a holistic doctor slash nutritionist to see her via Skype, or in person when she travels back to Cali. Each of these professionals, when converting the currency to American dollars, charges her only $10 to $30 per session. Oh, and did I mention she's paying one of these people out of pocket? I'll pause so you have your moment to, you know, drop your jaw. Of course, I tried finding that here because, you know, this is where I live. But I just find that mental and physical health care here is, I think, pretty inaccessible compared to what I was used to at home in terms of, like, cost. And I'm really lucky because I have good health insurance. But even then, like, comparing the prices is just ridiculous. Um, I was also trying to look for options that I could pay for myself with like my part-time job because like my parents are already supporting me with tuition and with housing so I don't feel that comfortable like asking for more. I tried looking into cheaper alternatives like you know counseling at community centers and things like that but the problem with that is that the demand is so high and if you're trying to get someone to see regularly like how do you do that like on a college student part-time salary like what you can't like it's just not realistic with college comes so many other additional stresses finances like manuela just talked about being away from family which manuela felt double time 
being away from anything familiar, learning on your own how to manage your time, how to reach out for help, how to be your own person when everything surrounding you is pushing you to go a billion different directions. Resources become harder to reach for a variety of reasons, be it physical barriers or mental ones. My family is all from Cali, so I try to go back as much as possible. Um, it's definitely decreased since I started college because of cost and, you know, summers are usually for, you know, internships or jobs or whatever. I feel like now I'm going about once a year. It used to be every six months and um, I didn't really deal with mental health issues until after I moved here but I just found that it was a lot easier to reach out to them. I'm not gonna say it, it's perfect because everywhere there's still such a stigma to with mental health and things like that and for example like I've had arguments with my grandparents because they consider medication like something that shouldn't be talked about or something that's kind of shamey and whatever but at the same time I've been able to talk about it with them and kind of reach this point where we all just want to support each other so they kind of reached this point where they were like as long as you're okay we want you to be okay and, and if you need help with anything like we'll we'll do whatever it takes. In Houston my mom and my stepdad are a huge help for me like in Austin comparatively I don't have I mean I have like a support system that's like two people and so sometimes I don't feel like talking to them about these things because I already feel bad enough that they're having to deal with me like all the time um for my mom it's a lot of anxiety of like is she telling me the truth? Like, is she okay? Or is she just saying that to make me shut up, you know? Whereas, like, when I lived with them, like, they could see me and they could get more of a feel of where I was. So I think that's really difficult for them. And so wanting to reach out to my family and friends who are away, it's just hard. It's just hard having to rely on, like, technology and things to see somebody. And it's just never going to be the same. Right. You know? What about a college campus or about UT's campus specifically makes it difficult to sort of maintain mental health issues? I personally have found that there's this mindset here that I feel like most of the students and faculty adhere to. And it's that just like nothing is enough. Like sometimes it feels like people are competing to see Who's the most burned out? Who's the most overworked? Who's the most, you know, who's getting the least sleep? I feel like there's this concept that if you're not making straight A's and involved in multiple organizations and juggling a part-time job and having a social life, and if you're not exhausted and if you're not, you know, pushing yourself past the breaking point, you're not doing enough. You're not taking advantage of the opportunity. You're not, you're just wasting your time. And that's, I feel like that's just really difficult because a lot of times when you're going through a hard time, like for me, a lot of times at my lowest point, the most I could do was show up to class. And that took everything out of me. But that's not enough. And but that was my best, but my best isn't enough. And I started to believe that kind of subconsciously. I realized that this year when 
I talked to my parents and and we said, okay, there needs to be a turning point. I need to get help, like constant help. And what I've been doing isn't working. I'm just like one semester here, one semester there. So when I decided I'm going to take most of my summer off, take care of myself, do what I need to do. And even though like I knew in my heart that that was the right thing to do, I still felt all this guilt because I was like, I'm not doing anything career-related. I'm not doing an internship. I'm not doing a job. I'm not doing anything. There's going to be this blank on my resume. I ran into, like, a classmate on the first day of school, and they were like, what were you up to this summer? And I immediately felt that guilt again. Like, what am I going to say? Like, nothing. And it's not like I didn't do anything because I did this huge thing for myself that was hard, and it was difficult because... Starting treatment and, and things like that is, like, so vulnerable. And and I worked really hard on myself and on my relationships with family and on my self-esteem, and I just did all this hard work. But it's nothing career or school-related, and so it just feels like it's, wor- like, not important. I don't know. You were going to say worthless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like any student who's been told to take opportunities when they're given, Manuela saw the benefits of studying abroad and eventually decided on spending a semester in France. 2018, the fall semester, I, while growing up in Colombia, I went to a French school uh, from when I was really little. So French was my second language and I was really influenced by the culture growing up and things like that. And then when I moved here, I kind of just like put that in the back and when I came to college, I knew that I wanted to study abroad in France to reconnect with the language and the culture and, and this thing that had been a huge part of my childhood but that I was really distanced from. So I took advantage of the opportunity and I went to study for a semester in France, in a city called Reims. In Reims, she attended Sciences Po undergraduate college, an institution with focuses in social sciences and humanities. The college partners with over 470 other universities around the world, and more than half of enrollment at Sciences Po are comprised of international students, like Manuela. Another couple of fun facts about the place? Reims is a 45-minute train ride away from Paris, where many of the campus's professors are from. Ooh, and tuition is sliding scale, based on the income of the student's family. So overall, pretty nice place. The first month for Manuela was nothing but smooth sailing. Well, as smooth as you could hope for, considering you're about to temporarily live in a place you've never been before. Through Sciences Po, she was paired up with a nearby host family. The flight went well. Her parents actually went with her, partially to meet the host family and partially to take a vacation. Because, you know, it's France. They came with me and they stayed for like three days and then they went off on their own trip. But it was really nice uh, because my host family like invited them over um, for dinner and we got to all meet and talk. And I think that put like my parents at ease too. Um, with letting their their daughter live with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom wasn't a fan of that. She was like, 
you're living with strangers. I'm not a fan of that. But <laughs> so, so she was relieved because she saw that they were really nice people. My host mom was like, oh, I, I have a friend who's from Colombia, so I'm going to have her over for dinner so she can meet your mom and all this stuff. And so she had over this really nice lady who also happened to be a Spanish professor at the university that I was going to. And so my mom loved being able to have somebody, you know, who's spoke Spanish and just it really just put her at ease and so by the time they left we were all like really chill about it and yeah so the just the whole first month of being there was just really fun and and I started classes last week of August and it just went really smoothly the first month everything was so smooth I made uh friends I was going out I was having like I was having way more of a social life than I had here in Austin I was adjusting well to the academics because I had been really nervous about that especially because of the classes that were in French and things like that but the first month just went like really the transition just felt so smooth like it wasn't anything that difficult First, around first week of October, so like a month after I got there, I just started feeling just not good. <laughs> just like, just really sad and alone and tired. And I hadn't really felt like, oh, I miss my family. That horrible like thing. I think because I've been used to being away from family for so long that it wasn't, to me, it wasn't this huge new thing of being away from, from family and stuff. So it wasn't hard at first, but it just like hit me really hard. And and the semester was getting harder. So the stress and the pressure, like it really, it really got me. And I don't know, I just kind of started spiraling very quickly. I didn't feel like telling anyone there because even though I met some really nice people, I had just met them. So I didn't really feel comfortable disclosing all this stuff because I would also have to be like, oh, this is something that I deal with. And I've been medicated in the past. At this point, I had been off of medication for like five months. I had cut ties with my psychiatrist, but we had already come up with the plan of being off medication. There had been no changes. Everything was great. I was feeling good. I didn't feel comfortable talking to my host family because of the same thing. Like, I didn't want to talk about it. And also, they were going through some pretty stressful times, too. And I didn't want to tell my parents because I knew they would be worried and the distance would be really difficult for them. So, yeah, so the beginning of October, I was already just feeling, like, not okay. I definitely started feeling like, wow, I think I'm going to have to get back on my medication. On October 15th, I had a breakdown at school. I had to lock myself in a bathroom. I couldn't stop crying. It was uncontrollable. So I realized like, okay, I just, I need to ask for help. After I calmed down, I went to the health center to make an appointment with the school therapist. And they gave me an appointment for November 8th. November 8th, almost a month away. With the way she was feeling, Manuela knew she needed something sooner. But at Sciences Po, their health center has one psychiatrist who comes in once a week to see students, and one counselor who comes in twice a week. And that's it. 
so she can't see anyone sooner. At least not there. Manuela reaches out to International SOS, the health insurance program provided for UT study abroad students. Within the next couple of weeks, she's able to start one-hour weekly video sessions with a mental health provider located somewhere in the U.S. They wouldn't start till October 25th, and so they told me our mental health provider will be in contact with you, and then for now, like, we can offer you, you know, our 24-7 hotline in case of an emergency. When I told them, hey, like, I think that I might have to get back on my medication, they said, well, we have to find you a doctor there who can prescribe it there. Um, So we're going to help you with that. We're going to find somebody who will take, you know, this insurance and hopefully someone who speaks at least some English, you know, in case you need that. And so they're like, well, we'll let you know. But it was taking a really long time. The 19th of October, my host family left for their fall break. They left for a vacation. Manuela was alone in the house, left with her thoughts during a severe depressive episode which anyone who has gone through one would know, is not a good combination. I realized, like, I cannot be here by myself. It was just, it was not a good idea. I called my mom, and my mom suggested that I call the Colombian friend that my husband had introduced us to. I had, like, seen her once more after that, and we'd, like, kept in touch via messages. So I called her, and she told me, come stay at my house until your family gets back. So... I packed up my stuff. I went to her house. While I was there, International SS told me they found me a doctor in my city that is available, but the nearest appointment is November 7th. I'm trying to be relieved because I found something, but I'm also freaking out because I'm like, I need help now. Through the woman who let her temporarily move in, Manuela was able to contact an academic coordinator who she usually wouldn't be able to see. The coordinator assigned to exchange students had left without a replacement at the beginning of the semester. During their meeting, the academic coordinator discussed possible accommodations that could be made for Manuela, like more absences than the two-per-semester policies Sciences Po enforced, or concerning additional time studying for her assignments. These accommodations, however, could only be made providing they have an assessment and proper documentation from the university psychiatrist. The soonest she could set up an appointment? November 23rd, 13 days before the end of the semester. But Manuela sets it up anyway. It was just one of the lowest points in my life. Um, I was trying to go to class and trying to be okay and waiting to hear back from my insurance about any doctor who would be willing to to talk to me it was it's hard to describe but it was just extremely lonely and scary and the kindness that she showed me i mean she took me in she like her and her family. I think her her sister was hosting dinner that week and they had me over like without question. They included me without question. They I don't know. I just feel like it saved me. It saved my life. It really did. The support and the kindness and the the way that this like total stranger was 
so welcoming and just trying to help me find solutions with me. It just gave me so much hope. So November 7th, I saw the doctor, and he was immediately like, yeah, you need to go back on your medication. He prescribed it. I started taking it that day. Within, you know, two, three weeks, like, I started feeling an improvement, definitely. And so I had the appointment with the school psychiatrist on the 23rd. When the November 23rd appointment rolled around, the matter was kind of already settled. The university psychiatrist, also realizing it was too late at this point for Manuela to receive accommodations, made a joke about him showing up after the storm. She didn't like the joke. On December 6th, the semester ends. Manuela traveled around Europe for two weeks, then headed back home. So having experienced all that a while ago and then looking at where you are now, Mm -hmm. what does that feel like, that that difference? It's, It's crazy. I'm just so thankful because I think back to that. Like, that was a year ago, right now. A year ago, I didn't see... A year later, you know, I didn't see a future. I didn't see anything. I just, I was so close to just, like, giving up. And now I feel like I'm slowly feeling like myself again. I'm slowly feeling like I'm taking control back of myself and my thoughts and my feelings. And I'm just really proud of the work that I've started on myself for both like my physical and mental health even though I know there's a long way to go I'm just really glad that I was able to just keep going so it's been a year since this study abroad experience since then Manuela's traveled back to Colombia she's set up a comfortable and affordable professional support system she's begun writing an editorial to send to the campus newspaper of Sciences Po in Reims After finishing up her semester at Sciences Po, she discovered that a semester prior, another exchange student had suffered a mental breakdown and killed himself. In response to the event, the college made an effort to increase their psychological support services. That increase was that one psychiatrist, that one counselor, those respective once and twice a week appointment hours. For a campus of over a thousand. In her piece, she hopes to bring attention to the efforts the campus should keep making. Looking back, I just find the experience really upsetting. I'm understanding of why International SOS had delays in finding me help. You know, they have to rely on an outside mental health provider. Um, They also have to help me find, you know, a doctor who, one, is willing to see me with this, like, weird fake insurance thing like it's because it's not like a company like an insurance company plus who might speak English I lived in a really tiny town so at first a lot of the doctors they found were in Paris but that was a train right away so I understand that they did everything they could and I feel like they did everything they could after my first phone call they constantly you know were checking up on me and emailing me and just being like Please remember, we have, you know, the 24-7 hotline, like, call if you need anything. We're, you know, we're working as fast as we can. I definitely felt like they were the ones who did the most to try to solve this situation. But what I really feel like is that 
the university was just very ill-prepared. Um, it just made me think about what other exchange students at my school would do in my same situation because a lot of them, like you said, you, d- you didn't have to do a host family, and a lot of them chose not to because it was, like, super cheap to get, a like, a dorm that's, like, a single occupancy like you didn't have to share a room with anyone that's usually really expensive here in the U.S. or whatever so a lot of the exchange students like took advantage of that of having their own place for cheap if you have students who are dealing with mental health issues and then you add all these factors of like you're out of your comfort zone you're speaking a different language you arrive to a new country, you don't know anyone, your loved ones are far away. If you're going to add all of that, you need to be prepared for that. You need to be prepared to help them. And I don't think they are. And I'm not going to say that they're not trying and I'm not going to invalidate the resources that they do have in place. But I think they need to realize that it's not enough. I hope that It helps the administration realize that they need to make some changes. And I hope that it's a catalyst for change. I hope that other students who have gone through something similar or are going through something similar will see that they're not alone and that that it's more common than they think. I hope that... It opens up a dialogue about how mental health is treated compared to physical health. I know for a fact that if I had injured myself abroad, the response would have been different. Everyone may not go through what Manuela did, but everyone at some point in their lives has to learn what Manuela learned about what works for us, about how to be kind to ourselves when we have a thousand ways to argue that we shouldn't deserve that kindness. I feel like everyone, we focus so much on like comparing ourselves. And so the whole like discourse of they have it harder or I can't complain because I'm really privileged. I, you know, I felt that the whole time I was abroad, I was like, how dare I um, feel this way if I'm having this opportunity that, that so many people would love to have? How dare I complain about the toxic environment at UT when so many people love would love to come to UT and you know your experiences your feelings your thoughts it's all valid like it's all yours and it's all real and it's all to be respected and treated with the importance that it has and with the seriousness that it has and I'm just glad that, that more people are, are talking about this and that, you know, things like this, like opening up a dialogue are happening um, because, yeah, it's definitely something that, that just needs to be talked about. A Familiar Place is produced by Mackenzie Dyer, Anna Kate Hutton, and myself, Ann Morris. We would like to give a warm thanks to Haley Butler and Professor Robert Quigley from The Drag for their guidance and their resources that they made available to us. Music from this episode is licensed through Artlist. 
Finally, another warm thanks to Manuela Guerra, who was brave enough to come into a tiny recording booth to be interviewed by a walking corpse, aka me. Thank you so much for your honesty and openness. You can follow A Familiar Place through Instagram at A Familiar Place Pod, Facebook at the A Familiar Place page, or Twitter at A Familiar Place. If you have a burning question, concern, or are interested in sharing a story on the podcast, email us at familiarplacepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Mm-hmm.